Welcome to Sinner Saint Sister. I'm Allison Sullivan, and this is a podcast about sometimes saving the world and sometimes just surviving in it. In the next hour or so, we will nurture our friendships, explore our joy, shake our fists, all while trying to serve our God, and most likely, all while wearing pajamas. I hope you hear something that lets you know you are loved and helps you love one another. Welcome to Sinner Saint Sister. When I was 12 years old, I sat in the kitchen talking on the phone to Stuart Latham. I wasn't allowed to have a phone in my room yet, so I perched at the kitchen table and doodled while Stuart and I explored what it meant to go together. We gossiped, we got to know each other, we tried our hand at flirting, we listened to each other breathe if we couldn't think of anything to say. We could talk or breathe for hours on end. One day in particular, after a good long talk without too much breathing time, I hung up the phone and walked out into the hall probably with a dopey grin on my face, and I ran smack dab into my mom, who was just standing there expressionless. It was obvious that she had been listening to my end of the conversation. I was in the kitchen after all. We stood staring at each other for a second when she finally said, I can tell you were on the phone with a boy. I shouldn't be able to tell that. I don't like it. I stood there and looked at her, and after a moment of defensiveness passed, I realized she was right. Even then at 12, I understood the importance of what she said. In a small way, I had betrayed myself. She needed to point it out, but once she did, it was obvious. I thought for a moment and decided that never again, not for a moment, not even a hormone-induced moment, would I change because she was right. I had pandered. My voice went up an octave and then down a few decibels. Ick. I should be me, no matter who was on the other end of that phone, I decided right then and there. Boy or girl, I was me. The Sandlot is on Netflix, and the kids have been watching it on a running loop these days. In it, one of the rascally boys delivered the lowest blow at the pinnacle of an insult competition that made everyone hold their breath amazed by his audacity to go there. The low blow was this. You play baseball like a girl. A while ago now, an ad went viral that asked girls what it meant to do something like a girl. When they asked young girls to run like a girl, with fist-pumping tenacity, the girls sprinted ahead. But when the marketers asked teenage girls to run like a girl, they flopped around useless like a fish out of water. It was startling and disheartening to see that somewhere along our paths, we have apparently picked up the message that feminine equals weak. Gender issues seem to be coming up a lot around our house lately, and I have a few thoughts on the topic. You know how when you learn a romance language, you learn that nouns have gender assignments, and those assignments just are? There is no debate. A car is a masculine word, and a skirt is a feminine word, but a motorcycle just so happens to be a feminine word, and a necklace is actually masculine. And so it goes. It just is. Mostly predictable, but oftentimes not. And maybe the reason it so peacefully is, is because in this case of grammatical gender, masculine is no better than feminine, and feminine is no better than masculine. They're just categories that define something, sometimes not really even all that well. And because there's no skewed value system, gender is no big deal. Here's my problem. I like the ad. I really do. Something is terribly wrong when feminine equals weak, because that's not true. But I reject any implication that girls need to be like boys in order to not be considered weak, because that's not true either. I love my femininity. There are gifts that the Lord gave to me that serve me well. And to deny them because they're most easily labeled feminine would be a betrayal. He gave me my desires and my drives and my proclivities and my insights, and he gave me those in his image, and it's not surrendering to be those things wholly, fully, unabashed. I am me, who he made and called good, feminine, masculine, true. I'm pretty good at taking care of my babies and keeping a happy home, you know, most of the time. But I just so happen to be terrible at understanding my car engine, and even worse, at shooting a basket. 
Nah, it's a toss up. But for me to get to work as a mechanic or a basketball player would be the exact same betrayal as those sweet teenage girls in the ad running all floppy when asked to run like a girl. I am what I am. Sometimes that's feminine. Like when I cook a meal I'm proud to serve. Sometimes that's masculine. Like when I lead a group to make an important decision. To imply that only women cook great meals because it's been given a feminine assignment by the world is ludicrous. Equally ludicrous is to imply that only men lead important meetings because it's been given a masculine assignment by the world. And one is neither better nor worse because they are both me. To deem my feminine parts less valuable than my masculine parts is to deem the feminine aspect of God as unimportant or unequal, and that is ludicrous. Feminine and masculine are different, but they are equal, and our Lord, in whose image we are made, has never had a skewed value system. Ultimately, it isn't about what is masculine or feminine. It's about what is true. A friend of mine was giving a talk recently and read it to me for my thoughts. It was about relationships, and it was artistically, thoughtfully, eloquently, beautifully done. But she hated that it was such a predictably feminine topic. Why? Why is a feminine topic something to be ashamed of? She wondered if it should be more unpredictable, less girly, something a man would be interested in. An exact quote. Why? Because a feminine topic doesn't matter? Because a feminine topic isn't important? Because a man would have nothing to gain listening to a feminine topic? I would have something to gain listening to a masculine topic? Why are we ashamed of our femininity? Trying to be masculine when it's not the truth is the same betrayal as defining femininity as weak. Together, my friend and I worked out that the problem she had with her talk was hers. She saw feminine as silly, boring, less. When I was young and someone told me that I threw like a girl, my dad taught me to say, what exactly is it that you thought I was? Right. Because I did indeed throw like this girl, and I ran like this girl, and I argued like this girl, and I cried like this girl. And sometimes that was floppy, and sometimes that was fierce, and sometimes that was timid, and sometimes that was excessive. But I was myself. And every now and then, aspects of myself got assigned to gender by the world. But what if that was no big deal because like a girl didn't mean weak? What if that was no big deal because gender assignments didn't really mean all that much? What if we were just comfortable with femininity whenever it showed up, predictable or not? As beautiful as it is, why aren't we just more comfortable with femininity? Obviously, there are issues if most girls flail around like a stringed puppet when asked to run like a girl, because that's not true. But I reject that we all have to run with skill in order to count, because that's not true either. We've been sent wrong messages, and I don't know what they are or when they start, but one thing has come up around here recently. People will often warn us that Seth is going to have a fair bit of work to do when Amelia and Wren are teenagers. You know, the old jokes about polishing the gun when the date arrives. I could never put my finger on what upset me about that when it was said when I was young. I rolled my eyes every time I heard it. But now that it's being said about my daughter... I know exactly why it doesn't sit well with me. Doesn't that tired joke imply less that our daughters are pretty and more that our daughters are going to make poor choices? Doesn't it imply that she can't take charge of a situation or change her mind or say no? Doesn't it imply that a man is there to either be a villain or a hero? Again, this is about the truth and those things just aren't true. By the way, When these questions came my dad's way when I was a teenager, my dad never nodded and agreed and hearty-har-hard about guns and intimidation. Loud enough so that I could hear, he said, Who? Allison? Please, when a boy picks her up, I just wish him luck. Thank you, Dad, because you're right. I've got this. And that's the message that I want Amelia and Ren to get. That you are enough, whatever you are. Sometimes feminine, sometimes masculine. Always you, always true. From the book of 1 Peter, 
As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. This is my friend Amy. We've been friends for three years. She speaks with sincerity, is smart in ways both hidden and profound, and she has just the right amount of reverence, snark, and wit. On so many occasions, she has helped me see God's varied grace. Hi, Amy Garcia. (laughs) Are we really doing this now? We're really doing this now. Hi, Allison. How are you? (laughs) I've been better. (laughs) I feel like that's really my fault right this moment. So Amy is one of my smartest friends. She's one of my favorite people to think alongside. And she just showed up for this podcast (laughs) unawares. Of what our topic was today, but y'all are going to be so impressed with how she just thinks on the fly. <laughs> how she's just, she's like, I didn't really know why I was here. I just thought, I don't know what I thought. What did you think, Amy? Um, I thought that I really had free reign as to what we were going to talk about, which is kind of the same thing if you want me to talk about women and like my ideas yes. about feminism. It's basically the same thing. So, same, same. <laughs> so, Amy's passionate on a lot of topics, but one of them is your femininity and women in the church. And I really become a listener when you're around in this regard because, um, not only because I'm still learning, but you are so very well spoken about it. And real quick, um, y'all may remember Amy Garcia was, I believe, episode nine, and she spoke about living um, creatively. And I think I titled it Uniquely Gifted. And we talked about That's our right. writing because we are yes. writing friends together and we love to spur one another on in that regard. Um, but I'll never forget, I think I might have even mentioned this last time you were on. Um, but I was having you proofread something for me and I was doing this little caveat, like I was trying to explain why I said something, but I don't even actually remember the details you might, but you read it and you looked up and you said, I don't think you need to say that, but if you do need, if you do feel like you need to say that you need to say it differently because I hear a lot of feminine apology in this. And it made me sit up straighter. I can't, I can't explain how it got my attention. It was something that was true. You know how when yeah. things kind of startle you because they're true? Yeah, I think I've, I mean, I've had the same experience when somebody called me on it where they said, actually, it was, it was one of the more embarrassing experiences of my life. Mm-hmm. I had a professor, a woman professor that I really looked up to who announced in the middle of class, uh, it was a literary criticism class, and she said, do y'all hear that when Amy finishes her sentences that she kind of trails off at the end? That's a very feminine form of speech. Uh, she said that's so that what she's saying isn't offensive to you. It gives you room to disagree with her. And I'm telling you, at like 20 years old, this was humiliating. Like that, she basically wow. was a very strong feminist and she was seeing this, I mean, which uh, was a very traditional feminine form of speech. I mean, I think she was right. I also don't think it's great to do that to people in a public setting. I feel like that's a conversation you could have with me afterwards about like, here's how we empower you to know that your thoughts have value without feeling like you're going to get shot down for them. Yeah. Isn't it, isn't that just so with feminism though? I feel like we have these pendulums where we're kind of apologizing for ourselves Mm -hmm. and then it can swing the other way where we're just offending people left and right. Yes. Like I think it's hard for, um, Women, when they see like some of the things that like maybe being a traditional Christian woman, like what you might have been held back from, or even the things like for her, she was an older woman in the Christian community. And I think she had felt her whole life like she hadn't fit in and that she'd had Mm -hmm. to struggle more for it. And I think there might have been some resentment on her part Sure, that I basically was kind of what she was fighting against. Mm. And I think she wanted more for me, but yeah. I don't think she put it very graciously. Yeah, interesting. Well, before we dive right into this topic, yes. um, I do want to talk about some of my favorite things about you. I mentioned that you're one of my favorite people to think alongside, and you and I can be getting together just because it's been too long. And the next thing I know, we have, 
I mean, really not just dipped our toe into very deep matters of the heart, but we are, I mean, just full on wading in the deep end <laughs> of like the world's most complicated issues. And um, that's just how I roll. Yeah, uh-huh, it is. <laughs> Makes me a good time at a party. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> Super appropriate. <laughs> I'm a blast. Yes. <laughs> Did you know there's a genocide happening? <laughs> what I like to bring to things. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I love it. Um, so, but anyways, I just love treading water in the deep end. I don't even know that we ever come to any, you know, swift answers, but we are just, (laughs) we're definitely treading water in the deep end together. And I just feel really grateful for your leadership as a thinker and, um, what we can cram into, to a very short amount of time. I totally agree. I love meeting with you. I think you're so good at encouraging, Mm. like in a really specific way. I think there's some people who are just generally nice about things. And Mm. sometimes that's not super helpful. Right, right. Which may not make me sound super nice. (laughs) (laughs) But I think you're really good at seeing what's valuable and encouraging that, Mm, uh, which I am deeply appreciative of. Mm. And I think you're also good at saying, you know, I think this could be better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but doing that with such like love and support, like yeah. I know you Thank are you. always like my cheerleader, like you want what's best for me. So when you have a question or a critique or even just kind of like a little pushback on something, mm-hmm. it's not because we're ever like, I don't know, against each other on it. It's just, I think this is the best thing to think about yeah. for you right now. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's hugely important. Thank you for that. I, that wouldn't be well received. And we talked a little bit about this in um, the last episode, which was about encouragement. It's not well received if you haven't loved well. Yeah. You push back. It's not received yeah. well. If you have not loved well, yeah. you can, you can critique me to the mm-hmm. level that you love me. Yes. So I'm Absolutely. glad that you feel loved by me. Okay, okay. Well, let's dive into feminism because, you know, a little controversy never hurt anybody, but sure. my husband has this analogy. He read it somewhere and I'd love to give the author credit because we use it all the time in our house. Now it talks about, you have a writer, R I D E R, um, on a big elephant and the writer is kind of trying to be in charge of this elephant. But the truth is, is that the element elephant is strong and powerful and can really kind of do whatever it wants. Our elephant, this elephant is our emotions. Hmm. And so there are things that we say or things that we hear. And this is where the analogy comes in. Seth will say this all the time. Your, your elephant just started running. <laughs> okay. So uh-huh. there are words that we hear, ideas mm. that we hear, and I have this natural instinct. Mm-hmm. I don't want anything to do with that. Yep. And don't you feel like the word feminist or mm-hmm. feminism makes people's elephants run? Yes. There is something about that word. It does. It's a, it's a tricky word, especially in the Christian community. I think people hear feminism and they think you want anarchy. Right. And I feel like I just want equality. I just want to get paid the same amount for the same work. Right. I I would like some opportunities and not to be disregarded. I think it's also hard to believe uh, the extent of sexism that exists until you experience some of it. Mm -hmm. Like when I first started teaching um, at the college level, I would get, you know, student evaluations back. And I remember the first time one of them, I got the comment that I should smile more in class. Mm. Now, what's funny is I didn't smile that much because I was um, co-teaching with another professor and he was an older male professor and he was very authoritarian. And I thought that looks like a good person to model myself after. And so Mm. I was like, I'm going to be like him Mm. very serious. Like, okay, I'm Mm -hmm. a professor. I've got this. And I am certain that no one in his lifetime ever told him he should smile more. I was just going to (laughs) say. And what's crazy is then you start reading studies about how student evaluations change that if they don't know the gender, like if they're teaching a class online and they don't know the gender of the teacher, uh, that it will go up if they assume that it's male and it will go down if they assume that it's female. And there's just a direct correlation to female professors getting lower evaluations simply based on gender. It's so easy to be dismissed. Well, I think you're right. I think that when it comes to topics of marginalized people, we have to become listeners Mm -hmm. if we are not that person. Yes. So as we're learning about racial reconciliation, absolutely. Of course. Um, 
you know, a middle-aged white man is used to coming to the table with lots of ideas and let's yeah. solve some problems. Be quiet yes. and listen. Yeah. Try out letting somebody else like work their idea all the way through before you jump on it. As we become you know, listeners. So if you are not a woman, listen, listen yes. to women. So I, I, when I think about this in terms of racial reconciliation, it's like if you are a white woman listening to women of color, mm -hmm. be quiet yeah. and let them finish. <laughs> and then if you are a white woman, when it comes to other white women, speak up. Yeah. You know, let's, let's help one another. Let, let's teach each other. Um, so men, I feel like their responsibility in reclaiming the word feminism, because it's not a bad word. Oh, um, it does not mean man hater. It does not mean abortion activist. It does right. not mean all of these things, yes. um, anarchist or, right. or whatever. So as we reclaim that word, because we should all be feminists, right? We Jesus should. was a feminist. Yes. Lady advocates. A lady that? of ad No, no. I <laughs> you want feminist? I want feminist. You want feminist. I want feminist. And you we're can gonna, have it. We're reclaiming it. But how do we do that? How do we, as a church kind of redefine this word that the world has had its way with? Well, I was thinking when you were saying about if we are white women and we have a woman, a minority woman who's, that we should listen. And I think, I think we need to recognize that it's actually a privilege to have them be willing to talk to us mm. and to tell us what, what we are missing. I feel like so much of that, you know, you think, it's partly my job to figure out how I'm getting it wrong. It isn't the minority sure. person's Onus job to come us. in and be like, "Amen." Yes. Let yes, me yes. explain to you how you're wrong. Like, Thank you for saying that. So, Good point. Um, I think that that's part of where the church needs to start and to say, "So we haven't gotten this all right. Would you do us the favor of talking to us about this? Amen. Would you be willing to walk us through some of this and be willing to set down some of the defensiveness?" I think the problem is, is when you look at men in the church, like you're going to hear some things you don't like to hear. Mm -hmm. You're going to hear, you're going to have moments like, I mean, haven't you had that moment? I've had this moment where I've realized that I've done something and at its heart, it's had like fear of a young black man going by where I think, sure. oh no, yeah. I did it. I don't happened. want to be that person. Mm -hmm. And I thank think, you for the bravery to say that because we cannot heal what we do not acknowledge. Yeah. And it's, I mean, <clears throat> there is shame that goes with that. I mean, sure. I feel terrible about it. This poor kid, I, you know, I did that to him. And I, you know, you hear that phrase afterwards, like walking while being black, you know, that like, that that's dangerous, you know? And I think mm -hmm. it's because of people like me where you can't, it takes getting downwind of yourself and recognizing, oh man, <sighs> th those things are in our hearts. Like I'm we don't the want problem. them to be. Yeah. I am. I've watched the same TV. I've been part of the same culture. That's right. It has a lot of racism built into it. And you've breathed in the toxicity of that yeah. with really out choosing to. It's yeah. just part of our culture. And, and likewise with this patriarchal yeah. society that we live in, we have breathed in, um, you know, the ideas that, that go along with that. When we redefine feminism, I think that you're right, that the first step is realizing that we might be part of a problem. By the way, women yeah. are not exempt. No, we're not, <laughs> unfortunately. I mean, how many times have you seen women shut other women down? Absolutely. I mean, how many times have you accidentally been the person that's done that? Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. man, I've seen myself as a teacher have a girl that I... <sighs> found annoying where I was mm -hmm. like I wish she'd stop talking mm -hmm. and I think come on Amy that's the girl you need to help that's mm -hmm. not the girl mm -hmm. you need to shut down mm -hmm. she's right and she has ideas and she's not handling them the best way mm -hmm. like but come alongside her mm -hmm. don't just think like she's driving me crazy yeah. <laughs> you know, like there are little things when I was teaching preschool you know mm -hmm. the things that I was charmed by yeah. with the boys yeah. and the things that were you know, eyebrow raising with the uh -huh. girls, just little things. Like, oh, I mean, yeah. a boy, you know, playing with his penis or whatever, <laughs> a girl sticks her hands in her pants and I'm like, oh gosh, oh, no. you know, I mean, yeah. so just being hyper aware, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, I think that that is an important part of kind of redefining is coming to terms with what we're up against and, yeah. and, and recognizing oh. these roadblocks in our own 
in our own spirits. Yes. Um, yeah. What else? What else? I think it comes also with talking to our own daughters about it. I mean, Evie, my daughter, she's six. She told me the other day, you know, mom, I'm not normal. Super matter of factly. Like she wasn't upset by it. She said, yeah, I like black. I don't like pink. I like snakes and spiders and dragons. And I was like, okay, awesome. Right I, I think it's great to know who you are. I think it's really cool that you know that about yourself. And I think you can like whatever color you want to like. Mm-hmm. And maybe at some point you'll like pink too. Mm-hmm. But if you want to like black right now, more power to That's you. That's right. And I like the freedom though of if you ever change your mind and like pink, that's okay too. Yeah. You know, we don't need to force our girls into this opposite. Yes. I think that's how the pendulum that's what gets I don't all messed her. up. I don't want her to think like, well, I guess I'm just going to have to live my life as a goth because I don't want to be like just traditional feminine. So Marilyn Manson, here I come. Like, right, right. right. There should be more options. There should be more in between, right? Yeah. But the other thing, what did she tell me? Oh, the other thing I told her was, but you need to be aware that some friends want you to be like them. Those aren't people who are really your friend. You want people who want you to be you mm-hmm. and like you for you and aren't worried that what you are is different than what they are. Right. And I think that if we can kind of learn that ourselves, like we don't need everybody to be just like us. Like Because what empowers me might limit you and what limits you yes. might empower me. And how could there be one way to be something as beautifully complicated as woman? Right. Sameness makes me absolutely lose my mind. Yes. Okay, so recognizing some toxicity that we've taken in because of culture mm-hmm. in our own spirits, in our yeah. own souls. Um, I love that. Number two, freedom. Freedom to be whatever woman God made you to be. I yes. feel like as a church, we can kind of cherry pick these verses mm-hmm. that speak of femininity. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. as a church, we can use them to bash each other yes. over the heads with, right? Yes, I mean, absolutely. how many times has Proverbs 31 been used to abuse women instead of <laughs> celebrate them, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, but when I think of the verse and I think it's, um, it's Timothy, but just basically saying that women should stay silent in church. Um, mm-hmm. actually it's Corinthians, I think, but, um, and then thinking about, in Galatians, where it's like, no, neither Jew nor Gentile or slave nor free or male nor female. No, 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 no. We're all one. So so you can take this verse from Corinthians that says, hey, be quiet in church if you're a woman. And then you can take this one that says, no, 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 we're all one. Or you can take Paul encouraging people to prophesy, you know, men and women, you know, you you can take these things and you can use them against each other. And then we can start this battle um, where we're using God's word to harm one another, just tear each other down, just tear each other down. Yes. And since I don't have a lot of answers for that, to be honest, because this was a very specific letter mm-hmm. written to very specific yes, people you are correct, my friend. <laughs> in, a, in a certain time yeah. period, yes. none of which I can really understand all that well. I, I, I feel like my job as far as redefining the word feminism and and the feminist, the woman that God wants me to be really comes down to, I mean, sorry to take it back to Sunday school. The answer is Jesus. Yeah. I mean, because Jesus is the living word. So because some of the word gets real confusing to me, I mean, what if he was, what if there was one woman in their church? So that is the theory is actually, so I'm going to tell you, there's a great book. Um, it's called Paul and Gender. I'm going to tell you this book changed my life. Yay! I great, love this book. You. It also may make you a little crazy about like how life is. So <laughs> if you don't want to be upended on a few things. So it's by Cynthia Westfell. And I'm telling you, it's academic, but it's also really approachable. And she's just talking about how Paul has always been kind of seen as, as this misogynist. And actually, Paul, really, if you look at the Roman culture that he is coming out of, that he's talking to people like in that context, it is like mind blowing Mm. that what you're talking about, the women that he's telling not to speak, um, that that's actually that is a very specific circumstance and that those women are basically like dominating men and like maybe even in like somewhat of a sexual way. And that it is well, very bless specific. their hearts. They were probably so enthusiastic <laughs> to finally have some freedom. They're like, wait. <laughs> but you know that whole section on like the head covering where people are like, oh, Paul is like trying to 
you know, shut women down. So I, I keep on, I find this fascinating. So basically, um, Westfell says that in th- that cultural context, women who didn't have a head covering were either slaves or uh, I can't remember what the name is for them, but they were women who were not respected uh, and they were basically seen as sexually available, which means that you could rape them and not face any consequences for it. Hmm. And that women who had the head covering were um, women who were like socially approved of and had the protection of a family mm-hmm. and that they were seen as like wholesome women. And so when he says that they can wear the head covering, he is actually restoring mm. and redeeming them and protecting them. He's mm. bringing them into the fold and saying, you are part of our family. You're part of our protection. Mm. And he's even protecting them from the other men in the church at the time. Mm. So that as they are worshiping, they're free to worship and not be seen as sexualized objects that mm. are just available to them. And also that Paul does this whole thing about making us all into the bride of Christ. That basically the Roman culture was a very like men were all the good things. Women were all the gross, evil things. And Paul says, no, no, we are all the bride of Christ. We are all feminine. (laughs) He basically says, whatever you think you're great at because you're a dude, Shake it loose because mm. you need everything from Jesus. You are totally <clears throat> dependent on Jesus. But not so it's not that you get a demotion to being female. It's that you actually get elevated to being the bride of Christ. Mm. So he just says, dismantle this whole understanding of who you are because you think you're great because you're a guy in Roman culture. It's not that. Mm. It is that you are weak and dependent on Christ. And that's the most glorious thing you can be. Wow. And that is Christ's strength alone that saves us. There is nobody, no man, no woman who has the capacity to save themselves in any way. Mm-hmm. We are all just the bride of Christ, which means we are all restored, all redeemed, this beautiful, pure, spotless idea. And mm-hmm. I think, how cool is that? Well, like, and that sounds scandalous now. I mean, think about it then. Mm-hmm. Like that is, I know, right? Yeah. I, when I think of Paul, I think of him really, you know, he was so fervent that Paul and I feel like he was really just giving people very specific directives about how to thrive until Jesus came again which I think he thought was like in two weeks right you know (laughs) all right so you can do this for a week and a half you got this okay yeah yeah. (laughs) but I would just like to say that book is Cynthia Westfell I should not get any credit for that she researched an amazing book I mean it will really like if you want to know more about that I feel like it was awesome. Fantastic. Robert and I read it aloud to each other, or I read it aloud to him. Like we team read it. Oh, I love that. What? Seth and I do that sometimes too. I love that. Yeah. Um, Thank you for that recommendation. Yeah. So, okay. So let's talk about Jesus since, since scripture Mm. can be baffling Mm -hmm. since, um, and, and, you know, that's, that's what Jesus is for. That's what the Holy Spirit's for that we have, you know, these tools, um, our, our prayer and the Holy Spirit to, to make sense of these things. Um, I think that we're invited as generations to make mm. sense of scripture. Right. You know? Yeah. God didn't accidentally write a book that was like, well, this is going to be good for about, you know, 30 years and you're going to have to toss it. Like, right. I think God knew this is a, like yeah. an eternal book. And yeah. so it needs to be usable by all yes. those generations, right? Yes. Like it can't suddenly have an expiration date. So what do we see from Jesus in scripture regarding women? Mm. So I've been thinking a lot about the Samaritan woman at the well mm. and how, I mean, one of the basic ideas that Jesus is presenting is the last shall be first. And she is the last of the last, right? She's a Samaritan, which means she's a reviled culture. And women in the Samaritan culture were generally seen as unclean. And then she's a woman who's been married four times and the fifth one isn't even her husband. Mm. And she, so she is like exponentially unclean. And Jesus talks to her for the short window of time And she is like immediately transformed. She's so transformed that she sprints back to the people who have like made her this outcast. And she's like, guess what, guys? We all need this transformation. Like she goes from She becomes an evangelist. She's the first evangelist to them. (laughs) Like literally last to first. Like first evangelist, first one in the door. Jesus is like, you're my gal. Yeah. Off you go. But what's so cool is she goes from being you know, exiled to being this, you know, ostracized person, which is kind of ridiculous, right? Like 
She didn't have any power in that culture. Yeah. When she got married, she got set up in a marriage. When she got divorced, she got left. Like she mm. wasn't, she didn't have any power. Mm. We have this idea that she was out there like vamping it up. Like she's some old Mae West character. Like, hey, Jesus, how you doing, sailor? You know? Like, yeah. She's, I don't think she was at all. I love all. you so much. I have chills. I love you so much. Go ahead. <laughs> Keep going. Keep talking. I think, I think about women in that culture. She was by herself. Like, I think being a woman by yourself at that time is the same thing as being a woman by yourself now, mm-hmm. where you look around and you see a man, a strange dude that you don't know at the well, and you think, how's this going to go? Mm-hmm. What's this mean for me today? Mm-hmm. Is this the normal guy that's, I'm just going to come and go and it's going to be fine? Or is this the guy that's going to attack me? Like, why is he here at the well right now? Like, and think about what happens to her culturally. So the first marriage is an approved marriage, right? Like that's going to be the one where her family basically, you know, she's chattel she's a property that's getting traded so that one she gets approved for but then that marriage falls apart and I mean I wonder if she was barren I wonder if she didn't have boys like somehow she didn't make the cut and so she moves down a rung every time right like she doesn't get a more prosperous marriage each time she's not getting better and you can tell because this last relationship that she has she's not even married to him And I think it's kind of this idea that she's going to get poorer and poorer and older and homelier until she dies. Like she will not die at the top of the food chain in this culture. She will die poor, more alone, and probably hungry. I mean, she doesn't have good options. And Jesus comes along and she immediately recognizes his goodness. So can I tell you a funny story? Like I've been thinking about how quickly transformative Jesus is to her. Mm-hmm. So I get migraines sometimes and if they start, it's a gross, but I feel like it's really in touch with what Jesus talks about. Like all the grossness, like there's mm-hmm. a lot of body grossness in there. I vomit until I like will just keel over from vomiting. Mm-hmm. But the good news is there's a medication I can take. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, I mean, I take it and like literally 10 minutes later, the nausea is gone. It's gone. And I mean, it, I'm like euphoric afterwards. I'm so excited not to be in the situation. And we had a friend that we had dinner with the other night and he was sitting there and I feel like bless his heart. Like he was trying to have this kind of like encouraging us spiritually kind of meeting with Robert and with me. And uh, he would start to talk to us and I see his face kind of go gray and I see his arm kind of like clench up and he's like, And I'm like, are you okay? And he's like, I'm, I'm not feeling great oh right now. Gosh. I'm like, okay. And then he, a few minutes later, he says, excuse me. And like, so we're like Napa flats. Like it's a nice dinner. And he gets up and he go, comes back a few minutes later. And he's like, I, I hate to tell you all this, but um, my stomach isn't great right now. Oh my gosh. And I said, do you get migraines? And he said, well, yes. And I was like, do you get vomiting where you don't stop? And he was like, Yes. <laughs> All I can think is how much I want him to have this medicine that I have. I mean, it's driving me crazy because I don't have it with me. And I'm telling you, I want to run home right mm. then and there and get him that medicine and be like, here, take this. Aww. You will feel immediately better. Mm. And I think that's what this woman experienced. Yes. I think she met Jesus. I think she had felt terrible and she meets him and she is immediately transformed. Mm. And she is like, Oh my gosh, I'm not the only one who's sick with this. Yeah. And she runs back to the yes. people and she's like, hey, hey, like, you can feel better. You can have it. It's right here. Like, come on. Mm. And she, I mean, she's literally sprinting back and forth. And I think, Oh, Amy, that is gorgeous. Thank you. And in using her, Jesus said, this is the new way. Yes. This is the new way. Yeah. I mean, he restores her. He completely brings her back up. Like, I mean, I, I know who you say she is. This is who I say she is. Yes. Ah, that's so gorgeous. Um, you know, I, I feel like the things that we are up against are things like, but there were no women disciples. Mm. So speak to that. Well, I think there's some debate on that. Mm-hmm. There were definitely women that were part of Jesus's following. Uh, so I heard something interesting about the Mary and Martha story mm-hmm. that one of the problems that we don't run understand is that 
it's that Mary had come and seated herself in the same role as did you tell me this as the disciples? No, but oh, I, yeah, no, keep going. Like, keep going. I'm smiling with recognition, but yes, go. But that she basically had assumed the same role as the disciples, that she had assumed equality with them right at the feet of Jesus, that she was just as worthy of receiving the rabbi's teaching as um, they were. And that that's part of what Martha was like, um, I don't think you're supposed to. You're be not in supposed there. to be there. Like, we got ladies' work to do. And she's exactly, she's trying to call like, her back. To this women's role. Yeah. Like and if you how did Jesus answer her? And Jesus is like, no, no. <laughs> she's exactly where she's supposed to be. Mm. I don't think we need to take anything away from Martha. Right. In that. Yes. Martha has her own strengths and yeah. and really even preferences, perhaps. Sure. You know, if she weren't insisting on sameness. Right. Yeah, I don't think Jesus was ever like, man, I sure hope she doesn't make dinner. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was like, I'm thrilled that you're making dinner. I, Because I think one of the things that women do beautifully well in many cases is hostessing, like welcoming mm-hmm. people in. I think that welcome is a huge part of mm-hmm. what it means to feel loved in the body of Christ. You know, like that is hugely important. And if that's something you do well, you certainly don't want to feel like that's diminished. Jesus never panders, obviously. So he doesn't <laughs> care about being countercultural. Sure. And so without fear of how people around him are going to take it, mm-hmm. he approached women, he mm-hmm. talked to women, he took them seriously. Oh, yeah. Um, he rebuked them. He never patronized them. Um, he never I- insulted them. And, you right. know, I mean, there was <laughs> True. just... Yeah. Um, he never kind of was like, let me tell a joke at your expense, lady. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yes. I mean, he took them seriously. Mm-hmm. He took women very seriously. Yeah. So when scripture gets confusing for me, um, I think that context is incredibly important. Um, but really, Sunday school answer is just taking it back to let's look at what Jesus did and yeah. let's look at um, the very important role that women had in his present day church. So, you know, one of my favorite stories is the woman who's been bleeding for 12 years. Jesus is on his way to like, isn't uh, is it where the little girl has died and he's going to raise her from the dead, which is amazing. And on the way, this woman who's been declared unclean by everybody touches his robe. And it's interesting what you said about how Jesus doesn't really, he never mistreats women, but he also doesn't always distinguish between them as being women. Like when he, when she touches him, he stops and he says, who touched me? I felt power go out from me. He doesn't at any point say, did some dirty woman touch me? Because that's what everybody, everybody else would have been like, yeah, oh no, now I got to go get richly clean again. And it never is part of what Jesus talks about with her. Like he just, I, mean, mm. I think how fascinating it is that Jesus felt power go out from him. Yeah. I wonder what that's like. Yeah. I just want to know, what does that mean? Yeah. During my yoga class at the end, mm. I grab people's, I kind of wrap under your ankle and I'll kind of pull a little bit and shift and then just pray while I kind of mm. hold your feet. Mm-hmm. And every now and then, it's it's kind of dependent on how receptive somebody is. You can kind of feel <laughs> them relax in your hands. Or they're like, what is happening? Yeah, or they're looking around going, what, huh? Do you want me to move? Huh, huh? And you can you feel this, yeah, you can feel this tension in mm-hmm. them. But every now and then people will really relax into it and receive. Mm. And oh, I can feel it. I can really feel it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I... I would love to see more women in leadership. And I know that you feel strongly about that too. And in my church in particular, um, you know, I think that without equal representation, we are missing a very significant portion of who God is, which feels uh, very important. It's a misstep that I believe has severe consequences. Um, And it's really not just about being polite. You know, I feel like, um, I feel like this is really limiting our church and, and church is just, it's a bunch of people doing their best and we're all just trying to see God clearly. And I get that missteps happen. And I feel like a lot of times it's not necessarily malicious. Um, and I don't insist on having a perfect church. I really don't. I do insist on feeling heard. Yes. Um, and so in my church in particular, I don't know that I'm even vying for, I need women priests. I do want women up and in front and being seen and yes. deacon. I think too much change at 
one time can be uh, irresponsible or reckless or certainly not sustainable. Um, so I'm not necessarily talking about women priests as much as I am not using women as this token, you know, but instead to see women teaching and leading and hearing their voices regularly, hearing their voices in a consistent way. What are your thoughts about that in your church specifically? So I think one of the verses that's really important is just in Genesis that when God talks about people being created in his image, he says male and female. And that when we don't have women represented in the like decision-making of the church, in the teaching from the pulpit, in you know an equal way in the church, that we're missing a significant portion of the image of God. And that that part of the image of God is really important. And I think that there are a lot of things that uh, women are really great at bringing to the table that we just don't know our church is missing right now. Yes. I watch people a lot to see how they react to things. And I can tell that when I speak more authoritatively, when I speak more directly, that a lot of men don't like that. And mm -hmm. so they pull back. It's one of the reasons why I really like talking with you because you don't mind if we like yell about stuff. Yeah. And you don't think that I'm mad at you. You don't mm -hmm. think I'm having a problem with you. Mm -hmm. And I just don't think that men are very practiced in hearing those kinds of conversations with women, mm -hmm. uh, maybe outside of their own families where they're kind of used to like, you got to wrangle with your own wife. Like, yeah, sure. You got stuff you have to work out. Sure. But I think we're just not very practiced at having those kinds of conversations. Yeah. Outside but we can do it because we do it in our homes. Oh, sure. So it's we're capable we were, of it. Yes, we were talking yes. about that a little bit earlier with our domestic church. Mm -hmm. our, in our homes, yes. we can cooperate and we can have different ideas and mm -hmm. we can make it work. But now that command, that charge is let's do this on a grander scale. It is yes. possible. Yeah. Um, let's do this not just under the roof of our homes, but under the roof of our churches where we're committed and stay, which is really what I mean when I say I don't need a perfect church. We're going to mess up. We're going yeah. to get these things wrong. But when when we can acknowledge missteps and not make them tenants. Yes. <laughs> Decades, centuries later. Yes. Right. Right. Well, Amy, I I love thinking about these things for me with you. Again, I don't know that we came to any like <laughs> <laughs> grand solution, um, but I just think it's a great conversation starter. Hopefully that other women will have um, with their own churches, their own small groups, whatever. But I don't know about you, but I sense a holy rumbling. I sense something changing and I feel like one of the most beautiful things that Jesus does for me is he allows me permission, permission to ask, permission to think, um, permission to wrestle. He also gives me permission to go to yes. stand up to yeah. speak yeah. so i feel all of those things around you too so oh back at thanks you, again amy absolutely thanks for letting me chat with you And now a word from our sponsors, Hustle 3. You guys, I'm so excited about this. With five kids and a jillion activities to get them to, I don't have time to add a private baseball lesson into the mix, but my newest sponsor, Hustle 3, has come to the rescue. With a very reasonably priced monthly subscription service, all I have to do is take a video of my son hitting a baseball on my phone and then load it up to hustle3.com where an expert coach breaks down his swing frame by frame and gives him drills to work on that are specific to his needs. A few weeks later, I upload another video and the training continues. I can stop the subscription at any time and then restart it once the next season's here again. If my son ever decides to start pitching, I'm going to be using Hustle3.com to get him expert instruction from, get this, a former Major League Baseball pitcher. Where else could I get my son access to this kind of training on my time with no driving around town and at an affordable price? I don't know much about baseball mechanics, but evidently, that's what he's learning. The drills teach him muscle memory patterns that don't just get him better, but help him to avoid injury down the road. I'm going to be a member of Hustle 3 community for years to come, and you should too. So if you think you might be interested, head over to Hustle3.com. Give it a try yourself.
my best friend and I certainly don't have all the answers, but that's never stopped us when it comes to matters of the heart from trying to comprehend, evaluate, analyze, apply, and synthesize. Wait, is that Bloom's taxonomy? I knew we were onto something. This is me, my best friend Kristen, and your questions. Hello? Fifi? Hi. We're recording. We are so high tech. (laughs) So I finally broke down and did it. I got an app that records phone conversations, which, you know, might sound easy to the normal early adopter. (laughs) But when you're me, it's really, it's easier to just drive all across the state of Texas. To get your interview. I'm not going to lie. I am excited about the potential that we could have like seven segments per episode of us now that it's so easy. Right. But I'm also a little sad I'm not going to get extra podcast visits from you. Um, yeah. I don't know how I feel about it either, except that I'm just celebrating my techiness <laughs> at the very moment. I'm sure I'll be grieving your absence here in a second. Anyways, I just interviewed Annie Garcia, and she is just so thoughtful and wise and really ahead of her time. And I love the way that she thinks and I love the way that you think too. And I really having the both of you on the same episode about women's issues. I feel like I probably say this every time, but I really cannot wait to listen to it. Um, I feel like this issue has been slapping me in the face, popping up from around the corners um, so much lately and I feel like usually the things we talk about, we're like telling stories or giving an opinion on something that we have at least arguably sort of figured out in the moment. But this one, I feel like I'm in the middle of it. And it's something that I'm experiencing in such a new way right now. So it's, right. it's super. T- I mean, I feel like you always are talking about um, timely topics, but this one is um, especially timely for me right now. Right. Yeah, we were we were talking earlier and you were like, yeah, you know, you really do a good job of keeping up with the times and mm-hmm. staying relevant. And I'm like, I don't think that's what this is in this case. Um, I think that the Holy Spirit is doing something different. I think that the Holy Spirit wants this message out there because um, and this happens frequently with episodes, which I always feel like is a little pat on the behind from God mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. going, you know, mm-hmm. and um and so anyways, this very same day that I was recording, of course, we've all been exposed to the Me Too movement and all of the beautiful things that have come of that. Um, but the same day that I recorded with Amy was the same day that Beth Moore put out her statement on what it's like to work alongside men who, frankly, don't think she should be there. Yeah. And it was powerful and beautiful, as she always is, and as mm-hmm. God always is, especially through her. I just, you know, she's such a role model of mine for sure but um it was wonderful to hear her thoughts because I've wondered about them for decades <laughs> one of the things that I thought was interesting that she mentioned was because of her gender not only has she experienced great injustices but she's also experienced some favor and you mm-hmm. and I have had a couple of recent conversations about that mm-hmm. in your line of work as well and mm-hmm. I really wanted you know your thoughts and and, you know, you mentioned you're kind of still processing. This isn't all nice and neat for you yet. Right. Maybe never will be. But that's the point of the podcast is that we get to wrestle together. And, um, but you, you know, have kind of had some complicated feelings regarding your work, too. Basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, so without even knowing about this topic coming up on the podcast, I was just telling you a couple of weeks ago about having a heavy air quote opportunity come up at work where um it was suggested that I be the one to take the lead on an argument because they thought that it would quote play well with um, the court. Mm-hmm. And it just, you know, part of me is like, heck yeah, whatever, whatever <laughs> gets me up there, whatever gets me an opportunity, I want to do that. Um, but it was uncomfortable, you know, and am I getting picked because I'm a female or because I'm a smart lawyer who can, handle this or does it matter because I know that I'm both um, mm. and that the former is not a, a bad thing. Um, so anyway, so I just was kind of wrestling with that. And then since that happened, I um, have had at least two other experiences that really left me thinking. And one was that I was in the courtroom uh, really recently and 
so the judge is about to call my case up. So you're kind of like cramming, like looking down at your notes, like I'm going to be taking the lead on this argument. I'm trying to make sure that I know what points I'm going to be saying. And this lawyer next to me on a different case leans over and gets my attention and just totally starts hitting on me. And it was so weird. And I didn't even know what was happening because it was so bizarre. Um, it was just really distracting. And the guy that I was with, um, my colleague, was like making fun of that guy later. And I said, how many times has that happened to you? And he just got quiet. I mean, obviously, that's never happened to him. And it's just something that um, women have to deal with sometimes. Um, and then the other thing was at that same time when I went up to actually argue in front of the judge, there was um, my opposing counsel was male, and then the other colleague that was with me was male. And after I led the argument and presented all the points, the judge it was his turn to talk, and he spoke only and made eye contact only with the um, male attorneys that were up there with me. And it, it lasted a while; like there was no no confusion um, about what was happening, and um, it was just really discouraging and 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 it kind of lit a fire that I'm not quite sure what to do with yet but right. it's 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 an issue and it's something that I will do something with you know what another thing that came up in the interview kind of briefly really but talking about you know in God both being made in God's image we know that he's male and female and yet that's scandalous somehow you know, to use when we kind of cherry pick these verses to beat each other over the heads with, you know, to essentially silence half the body. So what's happening, I think, per, maybe not so much in your case as much as it is a culture in your case, but in Beth Moore's case, for example, they have they think they have scripture behind them, um, kind of keeping them in the in the right. And when we you know, isolate these very specific instructions to very specific people and then use them as this giant blanket. And our question today has a little bit to do with that. She asks, can I be a feminist and still adhere to sacred texts? One of the things that was in a book that I read, Sarah Bessie, Jesus Feminist, um, it's a great book. And she was talking about how in the Bible, um, you know, masters are given instructions about how to properly treat their slaves. And slaves were given instructions about how to properly work under a master. Right. However, slavery is a result of a fall. Mm -hmm. Slavery mm -hmm. um, was never God's intention for humanity. And neither mm -hmm. is this one-sided patriarchy. And for me, when it does get confusing, the answer is, how did Jesus treat women? And right. Jesus, as a judge in that courtroom, would have looked you dead in the eye. He would take you very seriously. He made them the knowers. He told them things first. He told them to get up and go, okay. you know. And so, anyways, that's how I would answer that question is just, how does Jesus treat women? Let's go from right. there. <laughs> right, absolutely. And how would Jesus want us to be proud of our femininity? Um, and I just... This is weird, but I just got off a call where somebody was just like their angle and it was a male was just very loud and aggressive and abrasive. And I was able to respond with calm, almost as if talking to a toddler, um, like bringing my voice down and and to say without saying the words, you won't speak to me that way and you, I won't be intimidated. I said, you sound really angry and I am um, genuinely trying to discuss this issue with you. I use those words, you know? And so, I don't know, that just popped in my head because it literally just happened. But with everything, um, you know, that we, if you have a passion about it, if you feel strongly about it and you've prayed about it, then I think that you can trust that that, you know, comes from the Lord and from a good place. And it's just how you respond to it, always with love, always with grace, always with patience, even when it's so difficult. But that's when you'll be heard. Um, what? What's something that you're hopeful for hope, your little girl? Oh, so much that I just don't mess this up. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I just want her to be, I just want her to live into her call, regardless of whether it's girly or less girly or what the world tells her to do. I want her to yeah. listen to her call and look up, not sideways. 
Amen. And I just want to, I've talked about this a lot lately, that, you know, I just am excited about being the mother of a daughter and helping it, her to to, feel, to be very intentional about her inputs, about what activities she's doing, about what books she's reading, about what, Amen. you know, friends she has and what women she has in her life, because there's yeah. so many inputs that I can't control. Um, and and, and I will have less and less as she grows, but I just want her to... Um, be who she is called to be, whether that is the most stereotypical female role or the most stereotypical male role, just yeah. all the all those aside, what is yeah. her call? I love How it. about you from Millie uh, and Winnie? Um, you know, I think that we're going to come across things in scripture that make us want to kick something. Um, I think the fear is that when when we put scripture in context and 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 take the directive that we're all one that that it's fear based that that mm-hmm. that the people are afraid of what we're going to do with that power people are fearful and so what i want for amelia is for her to understand the difference between choosing to silence herself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or to be meek or to back away um, versus being backed off and being silenced. And I don't think that prudence um, is weakness. So, I, but I do feel like it is very nuanced. And so her, just what you said about hope, about being true to her, when are you feeling the Holy Spirit telling you to be quiet? When people hear the word feminist, Amy and I talked about this a little bit, you know, people have their own definitions of that and they're fearful about what that could mean. And I want to reclaim that word for the church. I want to, I want to reclaim it and make it beautiful the way that Jesus is a feminist, the way that he intended for both aspects of God to be present in humanity. Beautiful. Beef, you're one of the strongest women I know. Love you. Love you. Bye. I've never met anyone like Mary. Well, technically, I've never met Mary. You see, we're internet friends, but don't let that fool you. This internet connection runs deep. Mary is so many things all at the same time. With one sentence, she can make me laugh, cry, think, and deeply, deeply feel. There's just something about Mary. You'll see. I remember the first time I heard God referred to as she. It was during Mass at the Dominican convent where we attended all things Catholic because the local parish church was far too liberal. And yet, here it was. The hippies had somehow infiltrated the mother house. I could tell because as soon as God was referred to as she, my mother's back stiffened and she let out a quiet harumph and she shot glances at the back of Sister Michaeline's head. At lunch after Mass, my eight- or nine-year-old self was mostly focused on balancing my scrambled eggs on top of my toast with strawberry jelly, but I heard bits of my parents' conversation. Liberal, misguided, God is obviously our Father. This made sense to me, and I accepted it. A few years later, I was taught in religion class that Adam and Eve, and therefore all men and women, are made in God's image, and that God is therefore genderless, a pure spirit, the supreme being, who does not need any further identity. This also made sense to me, and I accepted it. I am quite accustomed to holding seemingly contradictory truths inside me for long periods of time. I'm not entirely sure if they just stay out of each other's way, claiming space in different neighborhoods of my brain, or if there are occasional gang wars in there while I sleep. However that works, and for my own personal reasons, the issue pushed to the forefront of my head recently, and it occurred to me, if God, and why would we ever use a personal pronoun for the great I am anyway? Shouldn't we take our time and care when speaking of and to and about God? But if God is pure spirit, God is not genderless. God is genderful. Not a cold, empty, lacking shell, but all-encompassing and all-good. Yes, God is our Father and our mother, because we are all included in the great I am. Peace be with you and your beautiful spirits. Dear God, your children come together, brothers and sisters, and ask for your guidance 
as we try to do what is right regarding justice and equality. Help us, God, to bring our congregations together in solidarity with strength and courage to name the truth about who we are and what we are called to. Help us to spur one another on and affirm each other as bold participants, co-laborers, all of us, in joy and friendship and peace as we work to bring good news, as we work for just societies where all are acknowledged. Loving God, help us to embrace and celebrate our differences and dissolve barriers. Thank you, Lord, for how easy our lives are here compared to others around the world. Forgive us for taking our freedom for granted. We beg deliverance for our sisters in bondage. Raise us up, God, godly women to plead their cases. Grant us grace to fearlessly contend against evil and to make no peace with oppression. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, unto me. And for this episode, a special thank you to Chan Redfield for music, Larry and Sherry Mays, Amy Garcia, Hustle 3, Kristen Kelly, Pamela Anthony Cutright, and Mary Beth Bishop. For more of Mary, check out her blog at chromecafe.wordpress.com, and don't forget the mini-episode for extras.